Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right, you know what that means. You are listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. I am Trey Cashin, along with Thaddeus Romanski. Hello, Trey. How you doing? And we've got a special guest, but we're going to start with our prayer, as we always do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, so we have uh, one of our regulars out there uh, from Tobit. We have Monica Ashour that's going to join us today. Monica, how are you? I am doing well. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Is Stephanie joining us today? No, unfortunately, she's not. We're, you know, we're taping this on the day of the LSU (laughs) playing for the national championship. (laughs) And so there's a lot going on, including the fact that she's trying to get some work done (laughs) before before our house is invaded. So Trey's trying to say she's got some higher priorities than you, Monica. That's what he's gently trying <laughs> no. to say. Well, <laughs> Tell her I'm mad at her. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> no, but, but, uh, but yeah, so it's been, um, really this whole time has been a little bit crazy because I've been having to be out of town. But anyway, notwithstanding, she'll hopefully be back and hopefully be back with you. I know she misses being with you and, and it isn't because of the LSU game. It's because of the work that has to be done. Right, 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 right. Not at home, but at, at, at hospice. Can I jump in here with a little funny yes. little story? Uh, we were, had a group uh, message going this morning, you know, trying to coordinate things. And I had to use the dictation function on my phone. And uh, Monica, I just want you to know that Siri thinks your last name is asphalt shower. <laughs> that about summarizes. Man, so. my, my I got one. I got one from from my wife today that she it auto corrected like four times, and then finally she had to spell it out. So, I mean, yeah, I, it, it bugs me to no end. But oh, that has no nothing doubt. to do with what. Well, maybe it does, but I can't think of it right now. What we're talking about today, I, it was a hot topic today, and I think it's good that uh, that we had Monica already um, lined up, mm-hmm. because this morning, I know that it was a big, it, there was a lot going on with regard to a book that, that Pope Emeritus Benedict and um, another Cardinal Robert Sarah, Car- Cardinal Sarah were putting out, and, and, uh, and, and again, this gets back to what we have to deal with with regard to that what's out there, but more importantly, that we really have to go back to what the teaching of the church is and what is, it has always been and go and not listen to what is going on in the media and what they're kind of insinuating or putting out there as a result. Because what's going on right now, it seems like, is this idea that somehow there's this conflict between Pope Francis and Pope Benedict and Cardinal Sarah that does not really seem to be the case um, in reality, but it's being proposed as that. And, and like we talked about, I think you may or may not have seen the the two popes, but I watched it, and there's so much that's being put out there that it's just it's inact. It just doesn't make sense if you have an understanding. So today, I thought it would be a good day with Monica being here, and I think Thaddeus agreed, and at Monica's suggestion 
that we take the theology of the body and we talk about vocation and we talk about particularly the, the celibacy is tied to the vocation to the priesthood from what is the church always taught with regard to that and and really see that probably if you got down and you pulled Pope Benedict and Cardinal Sarah and Pope Francis into the same room, they would all agree to that, that they would all say that what we're talking about has really been something that's been passed down for millennia, really, in terms of how they look at it. I don't know if that's, does that frame it okay with you, Monica? You can... Yeah, I think so. You, you too, Thaddeus? Mm-hmm. I think that kind of lays it out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so Great. it's a hot topic, and I think there's a lot of people, there, there is, there, there tends to be, I think, in a, a misunderstanding of, of what celibacy is about and why it's there, and there also tends to be errors in terms of extending that, what, that ca- what that leads to. There's you know, plenty of people that seem to think that a, that a, that a person who's living a celibate life, there's something wrong with them or... Uh, nobody can actually live that life. Um, but anyway, but I, I think it's important for us to understand both why it exists and why the church has that discipline, and and then the reality of the grace and the power that God gives so that we can live, that those who are called to live that way are able to live that way. Yeah, I think that's a good place to maybe throw it to uh, Monica. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah what I'd go. like to do is put it in the context of TOB, since that's my Perfect. expertise. Yes. yes. And then, just to let your readers know, your readers, your listeners know that, then we'll get into the concrete, like how to talk to your children about yes, this, and you know what are some practical applications. So, what I'd like to do, you know, I'd like to start from a, a bigger perspective for adults, and so. The, the theology of the body, which the proper name is actually man and woman, he created them. So that, that's kind of an interesting thing, right? Because the, the two parts of the theology of the body, um, each is divided into three chapters. And it's in the third chapter, the first part, you, you following me? That's where celibacy for the kingdom or continence for the kingdom is located. And um, the importance of that is, the the first chapter is about the beginning, like what the human person is from the very beginning in Genesis. And that allows us to know who we are, because if you don't know what human nature is about, <clears throat> then it's hard to know like who we are. And then the second um, chapter is about like, especially it's about the fall, the human heart, concupiscence, which is our tendency to sin, yet it's also the redemption. In other words, what you said earlier, Trey, that we can live this out. Um, We could live any teaching in the Catholic Church out um, because of of grace. Right. And then, then the third chapter is about the resurrection, and that's where continence for the kingdom falls. And I think that's really important. He's, he's, he bases it, especially on Matthew 22, where the Pharisees is once more trying to mix up Jesus and trying to say, well, whose wife will this man be if, you know, he keeps marrying different women who don't produce children? And then that's when Jesus says, you basically don't understand Scripture, <laughs> Right. Which, and then he points to G, that to God is the God of the living and not the dead, and then he says we will be like angels in heaven. So notice I'm not even mentioning celibacy for the kingdom yet, because what Pope John Paul needs to do is to talk about what we're going to be like in heaven, which means we are going to be like united with God and everybody. Right. So the resurrection is for. All of us, we call it communion of saints. Um, it's, there's not an exclusive relationship in heaven. So now I could turn to the idea of celibacy for the kingdom, continence for the kingdom. And that's one of the main differentiations he gives with regard to the vocation of marriage and the vocation of continence for the kingdom. That those who are dedicated in that way, they are for everybody. There's not an exclusive relationship. So, for instance, one of my former um, 
spiritual directors, Bishop Mark Seitz, he was for me and for another person, another person. Now he's a bishop of many people. So he has given his life not exclusively toward one woman and his own physical children, but all of the church includes you and me and all the listeners and everyone. And so I think that's one of the main things that um, Pope John Paul helps us to remind, you know, marriage is exclusive, um, whereas celibacy for the kingdom is meant to be for everybody. So let me see if y'all have any questions or uh, shall I just then continue? Well, I, th- I mean, I think that's really important to remember. I would just remember my mom who didn't have theology of the body or didn't have an awareness of it, but just talking about how celibacy was so important or continence was so important for that because she couldn't imagine. Remember, this is how she talked to me about it. You know, she couldn't imagine how you could take care of a family and all the responsibilities of the family and then be fully able to take care of all the people's needs that are out there, that there would be this big division. And that's how it was explained to me, which is really what John Paul, to a certain extent, John Paul is saying, or that you're, you're putting out there that it's a non-exclusive relationship. So he, a priest or somebody who's living kind of for the kingdom can go practically from person to person as needed in situations that call for them. And I think that's an important point. I, that's the way mom explained it to me back when mm-hmm. I was probably 10 or 11. Right. And I would say that's a really solid practical thing. And the great thing about the Catholic Church is some of our teachings are just based on practicalness. Like that, what you just said is not really um, a theological no. reason. It's just practical. But then you build on that and you, uh, you know, you could say that, it's, you know, celibacy for the kingdom is a sign of what heaven is about. Right. It's a sign that all of us will be loving each other in heaven and all of us giving the gift of self in a, you might say, supra sexual way above the sexual so that we're not, you know, falling into the era of sexualizing Christianity. Right. And so how wonderful that is that all of us um, are together. Yeah, and it, um, before we continue, sorry, before we continue the, the distinction, one more thing, I wanted to uh, read a direct quote from the Theology of the Body. This is TB 78.4, and you'll actually be able to understand it, unlike the rest of the TOB. Uh, <laughs> he says, the perfection of Christian life is measured by the measure of love. The perfection of the Christian life is measured by the measure of love. In other words, what he's trying to do in this section is to say, look, whether it's marriage or celibacy for the kingdom, what we're going to be judged on in the end is when we love. And so, um, you know, if a person's called to marriage, then he or she is, you know, God's going to say, did you love? If you're called to celibacy for the kingdom, did you love, you know, those people that you were supposed to serve? And, and so that, that's another thing that I want to make sure that we, we are made aware of. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a great point because again, you have to understand, I think there's a lot of misconceptions in this world, erroneous definitions of love or maybe even single minded. This is what love is. Um, And I think so there's an error. And I think it also, what you're talking about extends to the idea of a sacrament because a sacrament is a sign. If it's meant to be a sign of love, then it's important that we understand what love is, what it looks like, how it acts. And, and then I, you know, I, I, I'm just going to throw this in here as a little bit of a side because I thought it was important for what, from what you said earlier, when he's addressing the, the Sadducees with regard to the resurrection and whether people remarry, there's an important thing here that ties into the idea of a sacrament because he said, because he's responds to them about which of the seven will be his wives. And he says, you are wrong because you know, neither the scriptures and here's another point, nor the power of God. And I, and I think that that that's important piece of the puzzle to understand both the call to live a sign faithfully and fruitfully of, of love. And then the ability that is given to us by the grace of that sacrament by God himself. 
Is that, mm-hmm. do you th- what do you think about yeah, that? Uh, yeah, of course. Like it's, you know, otherwise it's, you know, we think we can love on our own, but God is love. And so anytime someone loves, then that is of God, you know, that, that's scriptural too. And then I, I think you still need to develop the theology behind it, but right. just so that we're not too high fluting. Right. You know, how do you boil that down to children, you right. know, as parents trying to teach their children about, you know, this, this teaching of the church. And I would say at first just saying, look, giving the gift of self, which is love, is, a, you know, a way of preparing for one's future vocation. And so, you know, you give the gift of self by sharing something with someone. And of course, I always add, with your hands, you share you know, yeah. with with your mouth, you are, you know, speaking words of truth and being a gift. And so that's preparing the foundation for the gift itself for marriage or, or, or continence for the kingdom. Um, yeah. And then another thing, now, now to go a little bit back into theology, I love the way Pope John Paul says that celibacy for the kingdom and marriage, they are mirrors to each other. That's they cool. mirror That's cool. each other. How do they do, and, expand on that? That's a great. That's a great. Thing yeah, I know. Like, how can that be? So, I'll take um, kind of what I do in my final eighteen out of eighteen books. I told y'all like it's finishing up Catholicism for everybody. So what what I try to show is that marriage, which is free, full, faithful, and fruitful, well, there is also the Christian who's duty is to love God freely, fully, faithfully, and fruitfully. And then, of course, the person who is um, committed to, as a a priest or a nun or a religious brother, is also supposed to live freely, fully, faithfully, and fruitfully for God by loving others properly. And so all of that kind of comes together to to mirror each other. so what, what might that mean practically? Well, for a married couple, how do you love freely? Well, you decide, like, um, I, I can't dictate this person's life. You know, he or she is free, so I let him or her be free. But, you know, I am committed to him or her. And then what about the, the priest or religious? How are they free? And how do they allow someone else to be free? By just saying, look, I... I'm going to give every bit of my time, every bit of my, you know, my, my imagination, you know, all sort, you know, all of me, I freely give that to people. And so, you know, I could go through the other F, freeful, faithful, and fruitful, but I just wanted to show that one connection of the mirroring. Um, you know, Trey or Thaddeus, anything else to add to that mirror? Well, I think, I think what you say there, I think it's important for two things. Two things that as as a parent, I think that we need to constantly refine. And there's many moments during the day or during the week, get them to understand that love is to give one's to give oneself away to to do that, and and that this idea is really important that the free, full you know freely, fully, faithfully, and fruitfully. It last just yesterday we were watching some show and there was, there were some people who were, who were exchanging wedding vows that they had written themselves. And, and one of my older kids said, could, could we do that? And I said, well, maybe, but it's important for the sacrament that, that, that these four things that have you come here freely? Those, those are the questions that are at every Catholic wedding, you know, faithfully, will you accept children fruitfully? All those things are part of the, what I'm committing to. So this idea of kind of the, the, what we're talking you know, the, I, the idea of what does it mean to love freely, fruitfully, faithfully, fully. And, and that the rest of our life, everything about it is meant to be an outward sign. Getting back to, to that of, this free, full, faithful, and fruitful uh, oath, or whatever, whatever the right word mm-hmm. is, vow that that we've taken. Mm-hmm. 
And is that, I mean, I, I think yeah. it's important for our kids to know that. So like if you go to a Catholic wedding and you've got younger kids, maybe even old enough to where they are actually interested because they could maybe see themselves up there one day, have them listen to those questions, you know, because it is different than I just love you, which is typically what you see when people are, well, what does that mean? It's important that we have a proper understanding of what it means to love somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you said, could we make up vows? I don't think the church allows people to make up vows. Yeah. I don't, I, I, like I said, I, I don't know. Said, well, maybe, but yeah. And I, I think they, I think it's a set thing. And, and the reason for that is basically the, the couple is consenting to God's design for right. marriage. Yes. And, you know, for, for, for human love and, and that capacity and so, um, yeah, I think that I think that's right. And yeah, I think you're probably a quote right. from Theology of the Body about um, celibacy. He says it's love as the readiness to make the exclusive gift of self for the kingdom of God. So love is a readiness to make the exclusive gift of self for the kingdom of God. So, just like the married couple make this this readiness for an exclusive self to each other, you know, to help them to grow in holiness. This, with regard to celibacy for the kingdom, it's for the kingdom of God. And he even says in the theology of the body, like, those who kind of, like, try to take vows just, you know, to get away from changing diapers or, or whatever, you know, that's, that's not actually the, the proper way of looking at continence for the kingdom. You know, instead, it's like, I want to help the kingdom of God to grow. And that's why I'm, I'm giving up something that's really good for the sake of something that is higher. Right. And one of the things he says in the Theology of the Body is, you know, to, some people would say, well, why would you give up a good? Well, it's because there's a sign of something better. And then some people think, well, if you're giving up marriage, there must be something bad about marriage. And Pope John Paul says, no, that, that is the wrong view of continence for the kingdom. It's, it's a sign of something that um, shows that there's something higher even than marriage, and particularly in the area of sexuality. So notice all of this we've said without even really mentioning the area of sexuality, which we're going to need to get into as well. Um, but before we go to that, um, Thaddeus, Trey, any, any follow-up on what I just um, said? I, I also think that there is an aspect to celibacy that the world sees it as threatening or strange or odd because in a consumerist kind of culture, I think the default position is that you the thing things that are good you use things that are good you employ and things that are not good you avoid and and don't use and so there's this kind of um cognitive dissonance here of well if if you're not allowing these priests to use their sexuality their sexual powers then you must think that sex is bad and but sex isn't bad. Sex okay. is so good that you should be able to use it in any way that you want at any time that you want as long as there's consent. And, and so why are you not letting these men cons- consent to use their sexual powers? And I think I think that's why it becomes, it, it's just so, it's such a strange concept that the world can't wrap its, wrap its head around it really. Yeah, I, I just would would add to that. There is this kind of false, like, if it's good, then it it's a, that's not the way life is. Anybody who lives a life, most of the decisions I make are between a multitude of good things. <laughs> that's those are the harder. Those are often harder. You know, do I do I choose to do this for my family or do I choose to do this for work? They're both good things that may because of time and where I am come into conflict with one another and there's a way of making a decision but 
I think you got to teach your kids that most of the time, it's not as simple as that's bad and this is good. There are those situations. But the, the concept of the majority of the time is picking between a multitude of good things, a multitude of things that you could go. And then when you make a decision to be married or to go, then you're, you're saying, I have chosen this path freely and that I'm going to give myself to this path, which has nothing to do about the good or, or, or evil of the choice I could have made. Yeah. It has to do with what I am choosing of the goods that I have available, of the vocations that I and, have. And let me break in again before we throw it back to Monica. And I, I think that's what you're speaking to. I think that's why we have to try to create situations in our families for our children and for ourselves, and, and we haven't discovered this formula yet, of giving, anyway, giving them opportunities or putting them in situations where they choose freely to forego something that's good or something that they want or something that's pleasurable to them. So it could be, you know, helping them to learn how to freely choose to not have that piece of candy, even though they could have it or not play the Xbox game, even though they have permission to, to do it because otherwise they're not, I don't know that they're going to, how I'm just struggling to think how else do they develop the habits of mind and the, and the capabilities to freely choose to be continent for the kingdom. That's a way off base. I'm going to shut up here just one second, but I, but I think that, that those are the way, that's the way that you teach purposefully. You have to look for those opportunities because there, there is, I could be like my, I've had a child who wanted to play volleyball and wanted to play soccer. And there was a collision between two things. They're both good things. They're both things that you're good at, but you can't do both of them because they conflict with one another at this moment. How do you make that decision? So, because there, there's naturally those things that happen in life and it's not volleyball's bad or soccer is good. It's just, that's the way it is. So I think it's important to point out that that is part of life. And certainly in, in, in understanding vocations and what we're talking about today, just because you choose one or that it's required of you as a result of that choice doesn't mean that the alternative is negative is negative mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love what y'all are saying because, um, it, it reminds me of why we have Lent. Right. You know, when you give up candy, when you give up, you know, whatever it is, especially if it's a, it's a good, you're giving it up to form that discipline. It reminds me of one of our um, books for level one, which is first grade. Like it, it's like um, it teaches self-mastery without using that word. It's like, even though, you know, I want to do this, I wait, you know, I I allow somebody else to do that. In, in other words, um, I have that sense of self-control. I have that, you know, I have that discipline where I could forego that. And so it's great. What you're saying, Thaddeus, is like you're setting the foundation in Trey when you're saying, like, be deliberate in, you know, formulating these. Why? Because once they get to the teen years and they're like hormones are raging and they're like, seriously, you want me to give this up? No, you know, it's, it's too good. But then, um, that, that shows, um, the misunderstanding of chastity because actually chastity is a way of being free because if we can't say no to something, then are we actually free? So it even, you know, you might say it goes even deeper that um, I could give something good up because I am free. What, can you, can and, you, yeah. can ahead. you talk, can you talk to this? Because I think it is one of the biggest misunderstandings in our culture now, which is what does freedom mean <laughs> and what is it for? Because, right. because, because I think it has, be, has been heightened to like the ultimate of ultimate things to be free. And the, and the, the definition as is used often just means I've li- I, to be free means I can do whatever I want. 
which to some extent, I guess, is true. But can you speak to the church's idea of freedom and, mm-hmm. and even how we might be able to teach our kids that? Because I think that that is essential to making this choice of celibacy or whatever whatever choice we're making with regard to vocation or anything, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. So, you know, it, I, I would say it, it's ultimately the ability to love, to, to put it kind of like small, easy. It's, it's the ability to love. Pope John Paul would say, like, the gift of freedom is for the freedom of the gift. In other words, free will is so that we can love others. And then when we love, we we experience ourselves as persons, is the way he puts it. Like, there's an experience of who we are. And then, of course, I would add the body to that. So um, even, even in our sacrificial love, which sometimes is experienced bodily, like I have to give up chocolate, I have to give up this TV show, I have to give up this Xbox, and, you know, I might experience it as a negative at first in my body, but later on, it's like, oh, okay, I, I now am experienced true freedom, so I could love others. And so with regard to continence for the kingdom, it's not a repression of sexuality, um, you might call it a sublimation or or taking that sexual drive, which is a good, you know, God invented it so that we're directed toward the other. But it's it's more seeing it as, oh, that which tells me I belong to another. I meant to love is another way of putting it. Gosh, I'm going to take that and you know, withhold from myself freely that um, the gift of sex so that I could love lots of people, the priest or the sister um, is able to say. Another way of putting it, this is from my friend, Bishop Mike Sis, mm-hmm. that when he was at Texas A&M and I was working with him. Hmm, I've, heard him. I've heard of him. <laughs> you Aggies. Um I'll never forget him saying, yeah, you know, I was in love with this one woman. I don't know if he said I love, but he thought about marrying this one woman. But then his heart desire was to give love to everyone. And of course, we don't mean in a sexualized way, but in a way that now, like, no wonder he became the father of so many um, in, in San Angelo. Now he's the Bishop of San Angelo. Another thing that Bishop Mark Seitz, my friend, says is, I wanted intimacy with everyone. And of course, the word intimacy often is sexualized, but he was like, Monica, I am with people at their most needed, intimate moments, death and birth and marriage and you know, sadness and sinfulness and conversion. And so, whereas many people think you're giving up something so good, namely sex, but there's like a higher um, good that the celibate points to, mm-hmm. you know, that it's not all about sex, even though this culture makes it seem like that's crazy to give up sex. Reminds me of what you were saying earlier, Thaddeus, like sex, if, if it's something that's pleasurable, then why don't you use it all the time? Well, mm-hmm. it, it's because there's something higher even than that. God invented it to be good. But then um, to, to give that up freely, there's something um, even better. What do you think, guys? Well, I'm thinking of two things that I want to throw out there that one is, and, and it may have already been addressed, is the idea that you would, that, that freedom and, and exclusiveness or freedom and excluding something. So for, for a priest, to exclude that relationship that would be with a, with a, a woman inside of marriage, to have that, how does that free or from my standpoint if i'm married to stephanie to say that i am not open to any other women in terms of a relationship of that of that type so there's that that seems to run counter to what is out there right now that that how can freedom and some sort of excluding something make you free does uh, does that make sense? I mean that that yeah, it, it seems paradoxical. To, it's paradoxical, and I think that the the culture says that that's um, problematic. That how can you be free, but then be told you can't do this? 
And that's really the wrong way to look at it, I suppose, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it reminds me of what I tell the engaged couples. I told you all this before. Like every month, 36 engaged couples for the Fort Worth Diocese. And toward the very end, when I built up rapport, I'm like, you know, Johnny, why would you want to marry this one woman, Jane? You know, don't you want your freedom? Look around. There's so many other beautiful women, you know. But then I say, but true freedom lies in becoming who you are. And so, Johnny, after you take vows, you become Johnny for Jane. And Jane, you become Jane for Johnny. And in other words, um, there's true freedom lying in the fact of love. And we get this from the Blessed Trinity, because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are for each other for all eternity. And, um, it, it, and so we being made in God's image and likeness when we are for one person or for the kingdom, then that actually gives us who we are because humans are meant to live for another. Right. Now, the, the, the danger in all of that is like, then you get, you could get into codependency. You can get into, well, if I'm supposed to live for another, you know, children might take that oh, then whatever they do to me, I take. And, you know, anyway, it's it's not the best um, if it, that is not understood properly. Right. So um, th- that's another complication, I guess, that parents will have to make yeah, sure and you that have they to, understand what that means. Yeah, I think that, and that, again, comes with, I believe, being purposeful in parenting, looking for those situations. You say, well, they're, okay, this does not mean that you stay in a abusive relationships simply because this, there are things that are, there are, I don't know, gradation or I don't know. There are things that pass the line of what's, what's appropriate. Um, but anyway, that, that I think it's, it's important to, to be able to say that freedom and excluding something can, and in fact are meant to coexist the other thing that I, the, the second thing that I thought of that was really important is this society and really today's culture really around the world of love being equal to sexuality, like that they're, that they're the same, like that's the highest form of love to a certain extent. Like if you can't have <laughs> sex with somebody, then you, you can't fully love them, which is nonsense, yeah. but it, don't you find that that's, tends to be the case? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things in the first eighth grade book, we have the body and purity. We do like a syllogism, like if love equals sex, then that means, oh, and all people are meant for love, which is a quote from Theology of the Body, sorry, from Pope John Paul. Then that means that everybody must have sex. You know, and so that syllogism is, I think, what is informing all of us. Like, we we don't want to be left out of love. And if love equals sex, then the person who has to be celibate doesn't experience love. And so it's it's really mixed up. But the, but the, the horrible thing is, if, if we don't understand that actually chastity, which, by the way, is lived in the celibate life as well as in marital life. Can you define that? Can you define chastity? Because I think it's really important to understand that because that's... Yeah, chastity uh, is the proper ordering of our sexual faculties, you might say. Right. Another way of saying in a TOB way is to give the proper gift of self to another. And so so me as a husband, I'm supposed to be chaste. That's correct. Yes. You, You are meant to be chaste, which means giving the proper gift of self to Stephanie and all your family. So is that when yeah, she chases way. you around the kitchen to tell, like, <laughs> do this chore and uh, get this picked up? You're supposed to be chased. Hashtag Catholic humor. <laughs> all right, Daddy. Will, will you silence his microphone, please? <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I think that I think that even in Catholic circles, the idea of chastity is even today is like. Well, that's not for me as a married person. That's why I got married to not be chased. I mean, that's that's kind of the yeah. mentality of of that. When in fact, the church's teaching is, like you said, it's the proper ordering. So there's a way that me as a husband should use my sexuality, which would be different from me prior to being a husband, or if I had mm-hmm. chosen a different vocation. 
but we're all called mm-hmm. to chastity. Yeah, Monica, mm-hmm. maybe this is a place where you can talk about how natural family planning uh, can prepare the ground for celibacy for or, or model what that mm-hmm. would be for our children. Yeah, because there's some overlap, great right? Great idea. Sure, I would definitely say so. Um, yeah, another way of saying that is um, with natural family planning, there are built-in times for a couple either to come together in marital love or to decide, okay, this is not the right time to come together um, because they prudently and prayerfully decided, okay, this is not the right time or it is the right time to have a child. And so with chastity, it's like, okay, when is the right time for us to come together in love? Um, And so uh, with that time, let's say it's the time of abstinence, with that time of abstinence, well, the, the teenager who has lived in chastity, he or she has had to have self mastery. Like this is not what is going to ultimately give me you know, an experience of love and of joy. And so I will take my God-given sexual desire and sublimate it. And, you know, instead of like for a boy, like a parent might say, look, you're going to be using a girl if you engage in this sexual activity. Do you want to use her? That's the opposite of love. And any teenage boy, you know, if he really thinks through it, like, no, I don't. I don't want to do the opposite of love with this girl, even if it would be temporary pleasurable. And so to teach that then paves the way for it's not a free for all in marriage. You know, it's again, the proper ordering of, you know, who we are, but, but why, you know, Trey, you often mentioned the church is teaching, the church is teaching, but the reason why we have the church is teaching, and this is in our seventh grade book, the body and heart is because of love. And it's because of to to have the ability to experience love, and so it's not just some sort of um, exactly. abstract law. Well, then that's and that that's we should submit to, but, but love. And that's exactly the 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 point of understanding that all of these things, and and we know it's you know we know it to be true that there are certain ideas that have to have rules to help us stay in it, but that but we have those rules for the purpose of staying in the right lane, so to speak, you can't, don't cross a line, you know, because if I cross the other, you know, that yellow line, I might hit somebody or I'm going to stop at a red light. The idea is that we want, there's a concept behind it. We want to have, be, have safe driving, but we have these rules that help us stay there, not to limit us, not to, to, to make us less free, but in fact, to be more free. If I know that, most people are going to try to stay on the right side of the yellow line, then I am much more free <laughs> to drive down the other side because otherwise I'd be petrified. I'm not going to get out there because we got crazies that are driving wherever they want. I mean, that's an abstract mm-hmm. thought, but if we start to think about the, that rules are not there to limit us, they're not there to hold us down, to put a thumb. It's not the, it's not the man trying to put down the, <laughs> It's, it is for the purpose of helping us to love, to stay inside that concept properly with where we are. And that's what we have to teach our children. I think it's so important when you're disciplining your children, when you have rules, to have a reason why and that they understand that that reason why is not because it makes my life easier as the dad or as the mom, but instead makes them more able to become who they were meant to be that it's for them that the rule exists we have to get away from this rebellious type of idea that any rule that's out there that's imposed by somebody is somehow meant to restrict us to make us less than we are capable of being can i just throw Mm -hmm. something in there real quick that is a rule right there right we have to remember that. <laughs> yeah, we have to. We have to remember to point that out to our our children and to ourselves when we when we hear that that part of the echo chamber. We have to say, wait, that itself is a rule. So don't feed me that. That's just that's self contradictory, 
Right. Yeah. I love the way you point that out. That right. is really good. Yeah. So I know we're getting closer to the end, mm-hmm. but and so I'd like to share this story since this is being recorded on um, the day of LSU playing. Um, right. This happened in New Orleans. And so one of my friends, she's a Nashville Dominican. And remember, they wear those long white habits. Right. And uh, so my friend was teaching in her long white habit. And one of her students in New Orleans, she um, was walking along and, oh, sorry, the sister was teaching these these children. And one of them had never seen a sister before in a white, you know, uh, habit. And so this little girl says to her mom, mommy, those are churches speaking about my friend who is a nun. Hmm. So in other words, the, the sister um, is a sign of what the church is meant to be. And the church is meant to be in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, them's churches. And so the, the idea of um, the, not only the priest, but the sister being, um, you know, loving is very important. And you know, another thing that I remember when I helped to start the nun run at St. Yeah, Mary's I remember that. A&M. Yeah. Yeah. And then the guys got jealous, and so they started the seminary sprint, right. which is basically, you know, men visiting um, seminaries and, and religious orders and women visiting convents. So that's one thing that I would say to parents, like, um, do your own nun run. Like yes. if you have a, a child, like if they've never seen a sister, then how are they going to take that abstraction and, and make it concrete? It's very difficult. Absolutely. And so I would totally suggest that that happens. And, you know, all you have to do is like get three girls together and, you know, call convents and say, can we just come visit? Or some convents have visiting days, um, and so I, I would suggest that. And then uh, just for for parents to kind of encourage vocations, um, one of my nieces who's at the convent, she's like, Aunt Monica, being in the convent is like an ongoing slumber party that never ends. It's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? And, and so uh, for, for them to talk to their children, parents to talk to their children, not like it's only this thing that you give up, you know, Absolutely. that's thinking about celibacy for the kingdom in a negative, um, although we've proven that it's a positive, but also to say something like, look, it's going to fill your heart's desire if you are called yes. to, to celibacy for the kingdom, you know? So that's one other thing I wanted to add. Well, I think, I think also as, as parents get to know your, your parish priest, have them over for dinner. I, we've done that a lot, and I've had some great conversations with, with the kids. I mean, I, had, I remember recently one looked at Father Brian and goes, uh, so, so tell me, like, your, what, what's your day like? Like, tell me a, a normal day in the life of Father Brian. That's a great question from a high, senior in high school. And to have him kind of go through, you know, it, it, it gives – meat to the idea mm-hmm. it gives you know flesh to it which is a very catholic way of looking like it's an incarnate way of looking at it it's not just this idea it's a, a person who is who has chosen to do that and and was expressing joy as he was talking through his day but then all of a sudden my son has at least some glimpse into what does that mean how does that look mm-hmm. um and so I think we need to expose those, you know, our children to the different ways of making love manifest in, in and through our vocations. Yeah. And I would, mm-hmm. I would add uh, to, to wrap up, we have about a little less than three minutes. I think my children are getting to the age where I can start to ask them to reflect back on, on their lives and, and say, you know, point, point out to me a time where, having more and more and more of, of something, candy, Lego, uh, jumping on the the trampoline at the end of it, you really felt like, ah, I'm totally satisfied. You know, like this is the height of my life experience. So this is the, this is the best I've ever been. No, you, you're always, 
you're always left wanting more. Right. You're you're not you're not ever satisfied, and you know maybe kind of saying that could be why the the church is you know proposes that celibacy, uh, chastity for priests, religious for for married couples, for people who are not married, um, because there's some. It's actually in not indulging in it without without restraint yeah. that gives us peace. I, I love that, Thaddeus. That's and, and to add, that's kind of what I was just going to like help wrap up, because um, just to talk about the adventure of life is exciting. Yes. Yeah. And yes, we as adults, we know that there are hard times and money situations and whatever. But for them to help them to see like, this is an adventure of life that you can live. And what, what are you going to choose? Like you, you have a spousal meaning. That's one more thing that Pope John Paul mentions in the theology of body, that the religious has a spousal meaning to the body. The married couple has a spousal singles like me. I have a spousal meaning. What does that mean? It means we are all gifts. Yes. And by giving the gift of self, by giving and receiving, being open to others, that's what we're gonna, is going to give us meaning. Right. And so the vow to marriage or the vow to celibacy for the kingdom, that's what it, what's going to concretize, you know, who we are, because then we're living our lives as gifts, and that Perfect. gives meaning. Well, so hey, thank you so much. As, as always is the case, we're going uh, looker at at Tobit. Tobit. dot org. and especially the Body Matters, our curriculum for preschool through eighth grade. Awesome. And uh, verse for the day, Galatians 5.1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Therefore, stand fast and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. God bless you guys. Chew on that one for a little bit. Talk to you later. Bye.